Welcome to She Can Too, hosted by me, Kristen Cantu. This is a podcast that shares insights and lessons from Vermont's women entrepreneurs. We speak with women about their personal journey in entrepreneurship and how it impacts every aspect of their life. In this episode, we are interviewing Akshata Nayak, who some might label a serial entrepreneur. Akshata currently owns Alternative Roots Wellness Center with her husband. She recently shuttered her successful vegan skincare line, The Orange Owl, and she is in the process of starting a new business, Little Pataka, where Akshata will offer books, puzzles, games, stickers, and other media to teach kids about differences with others so that they learn about them rather than be wary of them. Hi, Akshata. Hi, Kristen. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you so much for this. Thank you. I'm really excited to have you as a guest on the podcast. (laughs) Uh, So Akshata is based in Essex Junction, Vermont, and I'm really excited for you all to get to know her story a bit better. Akshata, I've done a really brief introduction of you, which I'm sure only touches the surface. So before we dive into your many entrepreneurial endeavors, my first question for you is, how would you describe yourself? Um, I thought about this and realized that I'm more of an accidental entrepreneur than anything else, really, um, because I had planned to be a lab rat happily for the rest of my life. That's what I wanted to do. My background is in science. I have a master's degree in biochemistry and I have a second master's degree in applied clinical nutrition. Um, I've done research, uh, scientific research for about 10 years of my life, if you include um, when I was earning my degrees as well. And so that's basically what I wanted to do. And the rest of this just came about unexpectedly. And um, so, yeah, that's that's what I would say. Accidental entrepreneur. This wasn't planned this way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at the very beginning, uh, when I introduced you of the, in the show, I described you as a serial entrepreneur. Do you think of yourself that way? Not really. I was actually surprised when I saw that in your description and mildly amused as well. (laughs) I guess mostly because I haven't thought of it that way at all. Uh, These different opportunities have come up unexpectedly in my life, like I was saying. And I've just tried to do the best that I can with it. And um, so, yeah, it does look that way, but, you know, it, it really wasn't something I intended. Uh, to do. I still have many other ideas and things that I want to do. So I'll I'll just keep at it as they come up. So then you, you call yourself an accidental entrepreneur, but you, like you just said, you have all of the, these ideas, things keep on com- coming up. So what, what keeps you going back to the world of entrepreneurship? Uh, I think it's basically um, where I found myself. Uh, I moved from, I grew up in India. And I moved uh, to University of Maine in Orono to get my first master of science degree in biochemistry. And from there, my husband and I moved to upstate New York for me to work um, at the University of Rochester. And he got his chiropractic degree. And then both of us got our uh, master um, master of science in nutrition as well. And then we found ourselves in Vermont. And my husband is from rural Maine. 
Vermont was about as south as he was ready to go in the country. <laughs> so when I, we were looking to move from upstate New York uh, to Vermont, I couldn't find anything that really interested me. I knew that we would be starting the clinic because of what Greg had studied and what he wanted to do. So I knew we'd be doing that and, of course, offering the nutrition. But um, when I couldn't find a job that I thought I would be interested in, I decided to give the orange owl a try. And um, so I also had incredible support from my entire family and my friends who all sort of chipped in in so many different ways, financially um, helping me with design. My brother-in-law was fantastic with the marketing part of it for the orange owl. My best friend did my logo. Uh, my sister-in-law did my labels. So I had all of these people who just like stood up and said, we will help you. And so all of that gave me the confidence to kind of get started. And they are the reason I keep going. So <laughs> we're, we're talking now, um, you mentioned your husband and you guys moving yes. here to Vermont. Um, and then you also mentioned the Orange Owl. And I want to talk about all three of your businesses. So yeah. the first being... Alternative Roots Wellness Center that you do own with your husband, Greg. Yes. Can can you tell us um, about that business? You know the history, how long it's been around, uh, what it's like to run a business with your husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so Alternative Roots Wellness Center is a holistic health center which is in Essex Junction, and we offer chiropractic and nutrition services here. We started. Um, in early 2011, so January. So it's been almost a decade now. And the idea of starting this was um, simple for us. We saw that people needed information and the support to be more proactive about their health. They needed information to understand their health better. Like, you know, if you think about it, most of the time when you are discussing your health with your doctor or, you know, you've got your tests done and you just get these like pages um, and pages of test results and you don't always know what they mean. And then all you hear are like buzzwords and important words that are thrown around, but you don't always understand it. So our idea was to help people understand all of this better, give them information as much as we can, and teach them how to be proactive about their health. And so we do this through chiropractic, where Greg, yes, has the manual adjustments that he does, but he also does a lot of soft tissue work and massage, and he's very good about educating his patients on what they can continue to do at home so that they don't see him as often. <laughs> so it's not the world's best business plan, <laughs> if you think about it that way. Um, but it's something that we truly and absolutely believe in. And it's the same thing I do with the nutrition aspect of it. My appointments are long. They're about an hour to an hour and a half. And we go over in full detail all questions that they might have about whatever aspect of their health. If I can help them, I do. If I can't, I make sure they get in touch with people who have the same ideas and are willing to you know, help out. Um, and just basically tell them what they can do so that they feel their best all the time. And so that's the basic idea behind the Orange Owl. It's been around for almost a decade now. Uh, we've been in Essex Junction, though we've moved around um, office spaces uh, a couple of times. But it was interesting for us because we moved to a state where we knew nobody 
and started two businesses simultaneously. And one of them required people to physically come in and see us and meet with us. And so the beginning few months were rough. Um, so you mentioned, you know, running a hands-on business. And I would imagine that a hands-on business during a pandemic is a little bit tricky. <laughs> um, can you can you talk to us about how your business has changed um, during this year? You know, whether it's yeah. hands-on portion or I don't know if maybe you met with your nutrition clients in person as well. But what's it been like running this business during a pandemic? Yeah, it's definitely um, been rough, especially when everything was closed down earlier this year. It meant that. Um, those many days we weren't in the clinic. And one of the cons of owning your own business, especially the type that we have, is that if you're not in the clinic, you're not making money. And so financially, it was a big hit for us. Um, We had to find ways to sort of pivot. And uh, we did offer some uh, telemedicine appointments uh, for some chiropractic patients if they want anyone that Greg had to see in person. Like, it's not easy. You you can't do chiropractic over a video, um, you know, appointments. And so, but if, if there were people who just needed like a few exercises or needed um, just to talk to him to see, okay, is this bad enough that I need to either come in to see you or go to the ER or whatever, then he would have those appointments with them. I shifted completely to online and I'm still continuing fully online for the nutrition aspect of it. Um, so yeah, it, it definitely was difficult. And one thing that I did start also during this time is a YouTube channel for the clinic, for the for Alternative Roots Wellness Center. And um, so that's been something that I've been focused on to try and get more videos out there. Um, yes, about what you can do about the, you know, the COVID-19, um, the, the virus, but also about questions that I'm regularly asked about or Greg is regularly asked about and, you know, just providing the answers. Since we can't have those conversations in person, we're doing it um, on, online through our videos. Um, so you mentioned that, you know, you guys were shut down for a while in the beginning of this year when the pin- pandemic first hit. Do you guys have any fears heading into this winter about this business? Oh, certainly, yes. I think right now um, the uncertainty of everything is uh, very scary. Um, And I think that's the case for many, many people right now. It's just you don't know when what is going to happen. Uh, You know, there are all these vaccines coming out, which are great news, but you don't know exactly when and how everyone will get it. So how long this is going to continue, the type of sanitizing things that we have to do in between patients. There is a lot that we have to do now behind the scenes. Um, and so, yeah, the, the uncertainty is not, um, you know, it's definitely affecting our planning and what we, you know, can hope for and for the immediate future. And so, yeah, we are certainly nervous about it. But I think one thing, if nothing else, 2020 has taught us that we need to be able to sort of just get, you know, going and change things quickly. And so that's that's what we hope to do if anything like that is necessary. So you do run Alternative Roots Wellness Center with your husband. Yes. What's it like running a business with your life partner? 
people ask me this a lot <laughs> more often than i've ever than i expected because in my mind it wasn't such a big deal uh greg and i met in graduate school we worked in the same lab some of the same projects for our degrees we studied together for our nutrition degree um and so we've worked together the entire time we've known each other and so that's just how it is we make a good team we also have very clear cut ideas about uh, what our roles are the orange owl and now little pataka are my businesses they are the ones that i make decisions in he's happy to offer advice and does so anytime i ask him give me support or anything else but at the end of the day i make the decisions and you know i move forward with that and the opposite is true for the clinic it's his business um i'm a you know certainly a big part of it we discuss everything we uh, talk about but at the end of it it's his decision and we move ahead with that and so having these sort of specific lanes that we stick in um definitely helps because then we aren't there's no cross you know uh, cross talk or there's there's no questions or anything like that that is sort of left to chance we always talk about it i think communication helps and having clear cut ideas about exactly how you want to run it helps as well you also mentioned that you also started the orange owl around the same time that you started alternative roots wellness center now you recently shut down the orange owl of eking skin care line after 10 years in business i i'd love for you to talk to us about the history of the orange owl you know how you came to start it how it evolved over the last 10 years and why you ultimately decided to shut it down yeah um so the orange owl was started in 2010 at the end of 2010 and um it basically came about because i had some when i was in upstate new york working at the university of rochester i had some health concerns that needed to be addressed and given that the usual treatment options weren't working i started reaching out for some other options and so that got me into the field of nutrition and that's the reason why i got my masters in it and um the other thing i had to do was pay a lot of attention to what i was using in my home you know for cleaning and uh, for skin care and then i had the biochemistry background that could help me make my own products and so i was curious can i make products that work the same but without these ingredients that i think i'm sensitive to and then through conversations that i'd had with multiple people um i realized there were others as well who had similar issues and so it was just curiosity i started making them and then it just snowballed into a whole business it ended up um over the 10 years that it was running we were in 50 stores um in about seven states in the northeast we had a few here and there um on the west coast as well but the shipping costs and things like that made it so that they couldn't order from me often enough um because it was directly through me i didn't have a distributor i didn't have a broker um so it had to go through me and that became difficult for them so i decided to focus on the north northeast um and on the east coast and so that worked out well um i developed close to 40 something close to 50 products during this time um all of them from scratch they were my own recipes and um you know all my friends and family they were all um 
forced volunteers, as I call them, <laughs> to try them out and give me feedback. And uh, so, yeah, it, it definitely started very slow. I was so excited when my first couple of stores, local stores here, started carrying them and I got feed, good feedback from them. It was Sweet Clover Market in Essex uh, Junction and it was Healthy Living in Burlington. And um, I, I'll never forget, you know, I sort of hid behind um, this freezer, like this freezer section, and I watched the buyer open the product and smell it and her face lit up. And I don't think I'll ever forget um, that that whole scene. Like I can still, it's so clear in my head, even to this day, even though it was a decade ago, just that it, it gave me some sort of assurance that what I was doing was correct. And so that was great. Um, and then over the years, yes, it was still just me. Uh, I made everything I, from scratch. I packaged everything. I did the marketing. I did the shows, retail, wholesale. I drove around for demos, meeting my buyers. So it was all a one-woman show. And again, um, Greg was, my husband was my first volunteer who jump in when things got too crazy. Uh, but I had a good balance going because most of my busiest time would be towards the end of the year, which around the holidays, nobody wanted to talk to me about what they should eat because it was the holidays and they didn't want to talk about their food. Um, and so that was the busiest time for me at the Orange House. So the balance worked. And um, the rest of the year, I made sure I planned my uh, weeks and weekends accordingly so that I wasn't losing too much time at the beginning. But it was a lot, a lot of travel. Uh, between October and January, I used to be home only for Thanksgiving weekend and um, the weekend of like for Christmas. Otherwise, the rest of the time I was on the road. Did you ever come to a time in this business when you felt like you needed to hire help? Um, yeah, I, I did definitely consider it, but I actually enjoyed doing all of this, maybe not the accounting part, like the accounts, I'm just really bad at doing them on time. So I end up with like a pile that needs to be taken care of, but everything else I, I really enjoyed. And uh, so I, I did think about it that, you know, it would be helpful, but then I also knew that I would have to change my pricing structure. Um, and I had set up my prices for my products in such a way that people could use it regularly. Because I had patients who would tell me, you know, I bought this thing. Oh, my God, it makes me feel so good. But it's so expensive that it's a treat. And I didn't want my products to be that. I wanted it to be um, these products to be something that people used all the time. And they felt good all the time. <laughs> so I knew I'd have to change my pricing structure. I wasn't ready for that. And so I just decided, you know, to keep at it. I always pushed it off. You know, I said, okay, if it goes to this, I'll think about it. If it goes to this number, I'll think about it. And every time I reached that number, I would say, you know what, I can still do this. And I, you know, I would keep going. And I had very clear cut expectations in my head about what I wanted the Orange Owl to be. I wasn't looking to make it this like huge brand or anything like that. Um, I was excited when we reached the 50 stores and I knew that that's what I could do by myself. And so I kept at that um, level. And so I was very um, good about my expectations and 
not allowing other people's expectations to sort of weigh on me. So I, I, I tried to be good about that. And so, yeah, I, I ended up not hiring anybody. Um, and, but it, it was really good. When it came time to close it down, it was such a bittersweet moment when I finally, you know, said those words out aloud. Um, but it was, and it was a very tough decision. It didn't come easily to me because I got emails from so many people on a regular basis about what my products meant to them. Um, I remember coming up to um, a light in Burlington and stopping and the car next to me, I was just like looking around and a woman picked up a lip balm, which was mine. I could see from the label. It was mine. She applied it and, you know, gave herself a smile in her rear view mirror. And then we continued on after the, you know, lights turned. And those, you know, small moments meant so much to me. Um, so it was very difficult to close it down. But I had a couple of things happen. One was personal health issues again. Um, I had a tough pregnancy. I had a tough delivery. I had a tough recovery. And then I got a shoulder injury. And right after that, I had to have surgery for some pregnancy complications that were still hanging around. So last year was rough. And um, so I was thinking about it. And Greg stepped up in a major way and took over all the production, which by the end of it, he was essentially doing two full-time jobs you know, at the clinic, seeing his patients, and then spending the rest of the time at the Orange Owl making stuff so I could check it out. And that became difficult as well. It wasn't fair to him. And then once this year hit, it just everything just shut down. I couldn't travel to meet the people, to do my shows. And so both of those things together meant that I had to make this decision to take some time for myself and just recover. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's why I decided to close down. I still get emails from so many people asking me if I'll start back up. And I honestly don't know the answer to that right now at this moment. I don't see me starting back up. Um, and maybe in, in a couple of years, it might come back up. But right now, I don't have a timeline. I don't have any of that. I haven't sold my business. I still have all of my recipes. I still have the trademark, the name, state as well as country. So I haven't sold any of that. So the idea and option is available for the future. But I just don't have it right now. I mean, it just sounds like it was an incredibly hard decision for you to shut this down. You know, this is a business that you grew and really became a part of you. And I really love hearing your stories about, you know, standing behind the freezer case and watching <laughs> someone smell your product and seeing someone apply the lip balm in the car next to you. I mean, those are like, I, I could very vividly picture those as you were describing them. And yeah. it seems like it. you probably it was a real sense of loss when you had to shut it down. And I know that you, you know, when you shut down the orange owl, you let your clients know that you do hope to open it again one day. And, you know, you just mentioned that you just, you don't see that happening anytime soon, but is, is there, is there something that you picture or that you envision of what would eventually allow you to reopen it? Like how, what um, your life looks like? Yeah, I think so. I mean, certainly right now, my daughter is really young. She's just two and a half. And given the opportunity, I would like to spend more time with her. Maybe when she's a bit older, you know, in school full time, uh, then that's something, you know, it will open up more uh, free time for me. Uh, I'll have to see what the little Pataka is doing at that point. 
Um, but yeah, surely in the future, if the opportunity comes up, I, I won't say no. Maybe this time it'll be, you know, partnering with somebody else who can help me with the production part of it. And, you know, I continue the sales and other things, given all the contacts that I've developed over, you know, this decade. And yeah, it, it was such a tough decision. I did not expect it, but it was almost like I, I had a whole grieving uh, I, I grieved for it because it was so difficult to let go. It was one of the toughest decisions I've made. And um, I'm, I'm just thankful that there were people who understood. And even though my family and friends kept wondering if I could just carry through and, you know, just another year, just another few months and see how it goes, I, I just knew I had to put, put a stop somewhere because otherwise I'd keep sort of limping forward. And I didn't want that to be... Um, how I ran the Orange Owl because it was such a source of joy for me that I never wanted it to become a source of stress. Now, Akshata, it sounds like you found another source of joy. You mentioned to me that you've just shut down the Orange Owl, but you're now in the process of starting another business, Little Pataka. And yeah. I'd, I'd love for you to tell, <laughs> to tell us about this new venture of yours and why this is a better fit for you right now than the orange owl was. Yeah, definitely. Um, so as with everything in my life, a small idea usually snowballs into something else. <laughs> and um, my daughter was born in March in 2018. And she, we've always introduced her to all kinds of books, um, all different genres, ideas, like everything. And she loves to read, she loves books, and she loves to learn new words. And while we were doing all of this, I kept looking to find books in Indian languages that I could share with her. And I found a few, but then I realized if they were all Indian, most Indian languages have their own script. So it's not like the English script that's just used to type Indian, you know, uh, uh, words in Indian languages. They're individual scripts. And so I realized if they were in the script, then my husband can't read it. There are some scripts that even I don't know. There are so many languages in India that I don't know most of them. And then I realized if there was something in English, my husband still couldn't read it because none of it focused on the phonetics of the word. And so I kept looking and I didn't find it. And so I set out to make her a book. That is how Little Pataka started. I just wanted to make a book for my daughter. And then, you know, I thought about it and I kept looking um, for other ideas or other um, types of books that might be available for kids, um, you know, who are Indian or biracial, as my, my daughter is. My husband's American, I'm Indian, so she's biracial. And I couldn't find things that really talked about this or spoke about the South Asian community. Uh, and so that's what I wanted to do. And given the just the geopolitical climate we are in, I feel like more often than not, things get separated into two columns, us versus them. Um, girls can do this versus boys can do that. And I just wanted to do something about that. And seeing my daughter, you know, as a kid, looking at her friends, I realized that kids basically what they grow up in becomes their normal. 
And so I just wanted to be able to introduce all of these ideas and languages and cultures and festivals and foods and whatever else that I could to as many kids as I could so that what adults perceive as big differences, if kids are introduced to these ideas early on, you know, through imagery, then that just becomes what they grow up with. So the differences become something that they're learning from. All kids are scientists. Like if you look at any kids, they're always smooshing things and throwing things to see how it falls on the ground. Like all kids are scientists. So, and very curious. And so if you can introduce this stuff to them early enough, then that just becomes what they grow up with. It's their normal. And that's what I wanted to do. You're not wary of differences, you're learning from them. And along the way, I figured, you know, this will help uh, shatter a few stereotypes about race, about language, about culture, and about boys and girls. And so that, that, that was how, that's what the little Pataka has turned into from starting out just as a book for my daughter. So you mentioned, you mentioned the book. Are there any other aspects to this business besides books? Like what, what yes. all are you hoping to offer? Yeah, so I wanted to offer non-digital media uh, to start out with, mostly because I didn't know enough people in the digital world to be able to develop these products um, side by side. So I decided to focus on the non-digital media because we are a low screen time type of family. Um, so I'll be doing books. I have ideas for puzzles and games and stickers and coloring books and different things that, you know, magnets and different things that kids play with, work with all the time. Um, you don't need to make these ideas, you know, in their face. Just even having a coloring book with, you know, an illustration of a girl doing something that girls aren't expected to do normally. Like that's enough for them to just start a conversation about it. And uh, so, yeah, there, there are going to be a whole, there's going to be a whole host of non-digital um, media that we'll be doing uh, starting out with. And then we'll see what we can put online or not for digital media as well. So it sounds like you're still in the development phase of this new business. Can you talk to us about your timeline um, when you're hoping to launch? When will you tell people officially <laughs> um, outside of this podcast about this yes. business the website? We want to know when we can start buying these products for our own kids and our friends' yeah. kids. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I haven't told many people about this. You know, I keep telling them I have something in the works and I will let you know when it's ready. Yes, we are in the product development stage at the moment. We have two books that are ready. They've gone for test prints. That's been one thing about the pandemic. I feel like deadlines have become suggestions <laughs> because so much is sort of out of your hand at this point. Um, so trying to find printers um, in India that I could work with or even here and still trying to stick to, you know, a price point that I want to. And uh, then suddenly the printer shut down because somebody in their office had got the virus. And so then, you know, we start the process all over again. And so it's it's been definitely frustrating and time consuming. I was hoping I could launch it for the holidays, but that's not happening definitely now. Um, I'm hoping early next year because we've test printed our books. Uh, now we just need to get the prints, like actual prints done and shipped over. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to have um, a website soon. It's going to be www.littlepataka.com, L-I-T-T-L-E-P-A-T-A, 
kha.com. Uh, that will be going live soon with just, uh, you know, where you can sign up to be notified of the launch. I'm hoping we can launch next year with the two books, uh, puzzles, some stickers and um, coloring books. That's that's the idea. Akshara, it sounds like you have an incredibly busy professional life. You, you know, you help run the wellness center with your husband and you're now busy, you know, taking on this new you know, professional endeavor, little Pataka. How do you manage the personal and professional? Do you do you try to create balance? Is there such a thing? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you'd you'd also ask me why little Pataka was a better fit for me right mm-hmm. now relative to the orange owl. I think it's because physically I don't need I don't have as much physical labor as I did with the orange owl. Um, so that that's a huge plus for me right now. Um, I can be in my home and, you know, it's just by emails going back and forth and phone calls. And that's much simpler to do. I'm also working with people in India, which means that my phone calls and stuff start later in the day after my daughter's gone to bed. So that's very helpful. Um, but yeah, trying to get a balance. I think it really depends on your definition of that. What to, to each individual, the concept of balance will mean something different. For me, it's basically trying to make sure I'm there to support my husband and, you know, continue with the nutrition um, consultations um, and be able to do my little pataka, the work that I need there, but also making sure I'm with my daughter. It was difficult when she was home all the time, uh, when everything had shut down. Right now she was part-time to daycare. And so that allows me to do podcast interviews like this without her in the background. Um, But yeah, I think balance ends up being your definition of it. I'm not... I understand, and this has taken some time to get to this point, but I understand I can't um, do everything perfectly at home and everything perfectly at work. So I do my best. And yes, there are times when my house, you know, doesn't look as clean or whatever else might be. My husband has to make dinner because I haven't been able to. But I think we're doing well. Again, like I said, Greg and I make a good team. So where I sort of lack, lag behind for whatever reason he picks it up and anytime he just tells me I just want to sit on the couch and like stare at a wall then you know I I pick it up and so this back and forth between us definitely helps and so having the support is important and that helps you define what your balance is. So you you just mentioned having the support can can in earlier in our conversation, you mentioned family and friends. Can, can you talk to us a little bit more about your support system? I mean, I know being an entrepreneur can be really challenging. Um, you know, tell us who do you turn to when you're not sure what to do in your business or if you just need to vent about something? <laughs> <laughs> I know. And this year seems to be more venting than anything else. But no, I, I do have um, wonderful family. My, my parents, anytime... And, my dad is a businessman in India, and he has um, been running a successful business now for a long time. And um, so he has incredible, unshakable confidence in me, my, both my mom and my dad. And so when I told them, you know, I'm trying to make this book, he's like, oh, you should sell it. Like, he's the first person who will tell me I should, like, make a product and sell something just because I said, oh, this is interesting. So it's just that unshakable confidence in me that 
rubs off on me a little bit as well and says, yeah, sure, I can do this. Why not? Um, so they have been incredibly um, helpful financially, you know, as well as uh, giving me just the mental support when I needed it. I have friends I've known for the better part of my life who are always happy to take a look and give me their feedback. Um, I have Greg who steps up anytime I, I need help from him in any way that I need help. He's happy to do that. Um, my sister has been an incredible, incredible source of information and support um, for little Pataka. Uh, conversations with her end up being so stressful while I'm in it. <laughs> but when I finish, I end up with a better product. And so it's, it's just really nice to have that. So these are the people that I talked to, that I went to. I have um, my aunt who's close by here, who is always happy to jump on a phone call and, and just listen to me, no matter how insane I sound, just listen to me and say, yeah, that, that's rough. You know, go, why don't you go eat something? Or why don't you go cook something? Or something that usually helps me, you know, come down. So that's always nice. I. I love the I love the advice go eat something because I think that that solves a lot of problems. <laughs> yes, as a nutritionist I can say more often than not you you know you you need to not be hungry when you need to make important decisions. <laughs> so I I I yeah. love that um so you mentioned that your dad is also a successful entrepreneur. Would you consider him a mentor or would you say you've had any mentors along the way for you? Um, I don't have, I, I don't really have anybody that I spoke to about every little thing about the business. Um, so, you know, the, the definition of a mentor, the way it's usually, you know, whom you go to for all these different questions. I, I haven't had somebody like that, but I've had people in my life. Like I said, my, my father, my sister, um, my brother-in-law who helped so much when I was doing the orange owl, my cousin, who's always like a little cheerleader in, you know, in, uh, on my side. So I've had all of these people that I can speak to who, whether they've realized it or not, have said things that have helped me plan better. Like my dad had told me always, um, hope for the best and plan for the worst, you know, and uh, those, those types of things have just sort of helped me think about um, how I can set myself up for success, but also be aware that there could be, you know, failures along the way and, and be okay with that. So you talk about failures and just, just getting advice from a lot of people. I, I wonder, are there any big mistakes that you feel like you've made along the way in this entrepreneurship journey? Things that maybe you wish you knew about before you had started or someone had told you about? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's been mostly wrapping my head around how much work it is to do everything yourself. So learning how to delegate. And I, you know, I, I can say that now, I already said I thoroughly enjoyed every aspect of the orange owl while I was doing it. Uh, but I do wonder if I could have kept it going longer if I had hired someone for certain things. Um, understanding the you know marketing aspect um, of a business, uh, that's something I'm, I'm still working on. Um, I have better ideas now than I did when I first started. Um, but it, all of these things I feel aren't, um, I have no business background. And so these aren't things I thought of thought through fully when I started. 
And um, so, yeah, I, I, I wish I had sat down and done like a more formal business plan and, you know, written out ideas and uh, thoughts I had of what I wanted it to be and learning about, you know, I, I'd mentioned expectations, working within my expectations and not letting others weigh me down. Um, those are things I learned as I went along. And I, I wish these were things I had known when I started out. And I think that would have made it um, easier or simpler, lighter, maybe overall. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, the Orange Owl worked well. The products were great. Um, I had wonderful feedback. The clinic is um, doing well when our patients, like my patient tells me, I finally have energy to play with my kid when I get home and I'm not just collapsing into a pile on the couch. Um, that makes me feel good. Like, you know, it's, it's headed, it's, it's going in the right direction and that's important. So the clinic is doing that as well. Greg has patients who like swear by how he helps them and not just in the clinic, but the support that he offers outside of it as well. Um, and little Pataka too, we'll, you know, see, see how it goes. And hopefully the ideas that I have are things that people agree with and look at and um, spend money on. (laughs) (laughs) So entrepreneurship, it sounds like it's been a great fit for you, even with all of the ups and downs, but I wonder, would you ever trade it in to work for someone else? Um, yeah, I, I I don't see why not. If it's something that will help me learn new things, um, I, I would certainly be up for it. Uh, I have no I have no no issues with that. Are you kidding me? Having like a steady income, <laughs> but then the fun for me would be you know right now I not this year but my, the other years I've just decided oh I'm going to go see my parents in India and I just take off for like a few weeks. That's not something you can easily do when you work for somebody else. But there are many pros to, you know, have, having, um, uh, have, having a job, a regular job where you can leave everything there when you come home and you aren't thinking about it still. Because, you know, no matter what you do in terms of trying to create boundaries and things like that, when you own the business, you have to answer things when they come up. You can't just let it you know, sit over the weekend or whatever. At least I don't like to do that. And so it it does bleed into your life. Um, Yeah, so yeah, if if it's something that I learn, that will help me learn about something that I'm interested in, I would happily take up up any profession, any job if I'm offered one. Akshara, I'm wondering, what would your advice be to other women looking to start their own business? Um. I would mostly say, be confident about your product, whatever it may be. Be confident because you spend time coming up with it. You know more about it and the process that's gone behind, gone on behind the scenes. You know more about it than anybody else. So be confident about your product. Don't just project confidence, which is what the whole fake it till you make it thing is that's exhausting it really is you know i've i've been pushed into these giant conference rooms with like hundreds or thousands of you know people and then you just have to be so you know stand up straight and just be happy and positive and it's it's exhausting after a point of time to fake it till you make it so actually have the confidence that your product is good ask questions reach out for support and take up space you know, and and stand your ground because, and this is something I see as a nutritionist as well. Um, I end up 
sort of having mini therapy sessions almost with my clients because I'll, there is so much mental health issues um, that gets wrapped up around food. So I do have to have a lot of conversations with my clients about this. And then, of course, find them the support that they need. Um, but I have realized that women in general have difficulties in taking up space because we are always told to sort of, you know, be quiet or whatever. Don't don't make yourself obvious. Uh, but no, take up space, ask the questions. Don't think you have to know everything all the time. It's okay to not know something and it's okay to say that you don't know it, but you will find out. Um, so those those are the things I would say. Be confident, take up space, ask questions, reach out for support. And if there's an opportunity available, go for it. I love that. I feel like some of those could be daily mantras. Yes. <laughs> be confident, take up space. I, yes. I, really, I really love all of that advice you just Yeah, and you I, just like I said, I, this comes from both being an entrepreneur who has been, you know, to so many different shows and met so many other women doing things like this. And for the health um, healthcare part of it that I do as a nutritionist, um, you know, I, I deal a lot. I personally have had anxiety and depression um, that I've had to deal with. And um, so somehow I seem to, because of, I guess, my stories or what I talk about, I seem to um, attract that type of a patient um, who also is dealing with mental health concerns. And so having had all of these conversations over the past decade, this is something that I would highly recommend all women do. Akshara, I would love for you to tell our listeners where they can find you online, whether that's your nutrition services or reminding us again about where they can find Little Pataka once it's live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Orange, um, sorry, I'm so used to talking about the Orange House. Um, Alternative Roots Wellness Center. Uh, we are based in Essex Junction and you can find our website. It's www.alternativerootswellness.com. And the roots is R-O-O-T-S. So alternativerootswellness.com is our website. Um, you can find all of our contact information there. We've also started a YouTube channel um, this year. And that is if you can search on YouTube for Alternative Roots Wellness Center Vermont. I have a whole bunch of different videos there. Um, I'm going to be shooting one right after this podcast, actually. <laughs> so I have that up there. And then Little Pataka is um, going, the website is uh, L-I-T-T-L-E. Pataka is P-A-T-A-K-H-A dot com. Little Pataka means little firecracker. Uh, that has a big impact. And uh, that's what my daughter is. And so all of this is dedicated to her. And so littlepataka.com is the name of the website. And uh, that will have all of our social media handles and everything on there as well. I'm hoping to launch the like a temporary landing page um, in the next few weeks. And uh, I'm hoping to have the actual website and products launching early next year. So that would be 2021. I love that little firecracker that just it just makes makes me smile. And listeners, <laughs> listeners she is. I bet she is. Yes, Eva is. Eva is the reason Little Pataka exists to the point where we actually had to illustrate Eva as like the main character for it because I kept thinking if while doing the illustrations, if Eva was a car, what kind of a car would she be? <laughs> Eva was a chair, what kind of a chair would she be? You know, it, it always just came back to her. And so that's why the name 
uh, I thought suited it really well because that's what all, all our kids are. And, you know, they're little firecrackers and I really hope we can spark their curiosity and spark some learning that just continues. That's great. And um, just so our listeners know, I will be listing all of this information in the show notes so that you can find Akshata online, both of her businesses. And wow, little firecracker. I'm really excited for this business <laughs> to get you. started. Uh, thank you so much for chatting with us today. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. I, I had a great time as well. Um, thank you for the questions. They were, they were, def- they definitely made me uh, think a bit more. <laughs> you know, about all the details. And um, yes, I hope your listeners liked it. Absolutely. Um, Well, thanks again so much and best of luck with little Pataka. (laughs) Thank you very much. Have a wonderful day. All right. You too. Bye. Bye. She Can Too is a production of Well Told Films based in Montpelier, Vermont. If you're interested in advertising during a future episode or know a woman entrepreneur we should speak to, email podcasts at welltoldfilms.com. Our original cover art is by Alyssa Ruggieri, and you can find more of her work at alr-designs.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please share with a friend, subscribe on Apple Podcasts for free, and rate and review our show. Your support is crucial to our success. Until next time, bye!